I've had the pleasure of spending probably the last 24 hours with our speaker this morning, and I've got uh, enough stories that we could just stand up here and tell you I've learned from Richard, but uh, he's traveled all over the United States preaching in prisons, churches, and around. Where I got to know Richard uh, was he held a revival for my sister's church in Ozark, Missouri, and she said, you, get, you better get to know this guy. So we've communicated by uh, phone and things around, and, and uh, he's genuine, and uh, there's two things about him. Uh, if you aren't a Christian, he'll make you want to be one, so I've got that covered. And the second thing is, Judy now wants to buy a Harley. <laughs> so, <laughs> Richard, come on, speak to us. I told Jerry to be nice to me because I was up next. It's good to be here. Uh, I'm looking, I've been looking forward uh, to this day for quite a while and a uh, pretty exciting church and I like exciting churches, amen, and where the spirit is alive and well and, and ministry is going on and see a bunch of happy people. That's good, isn't it? Amen. Uh, I appreciate the wits uh, taking me in and, and they showed me two different bedrooms. One upstairs and one down in the, in the basement. And I took the one down in the basement because it's dark and cold. And boy, I slept uh, uh, very well last night. And, uh, uh, but I had a problem uh, this morning uh, when I got up, uh, getting ready to eat breakfast, took a shower. And I started looking for some towels I could use. And uh, all their towels, you know, every towel in the place is monogrammed. And, I, you know, my wife told me years ago, you don't use, they're for show. You don't use monogram towels. So I opened some cabinets, and they're all monogrammed. They were Holiday Inn, Hyatt, uh, uh, Clarion. All their towels were monogrammed. So what do you do? You drip dry, I guess. I don't know. You just don't use monogram towels. That's quite a collection. Yeah. It's good to be with you. I'm looking forward to the motorcycle ride this afternoon, and uh, I've been a, a biker for quite a while. I used to ride a motorcycle for all the wrong reasons. Uh, the last uh, 47 years or 45 years, I've been riding for the right reasons, amen? And uh, I want to share with you this morning in Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter, right at the beginning of the Ten Commandments. Here's what God says. I am the Lord thy God, which brought ye out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And by the way, he's still delivering us from the house of bondage today. From the world, the flesh, and Satan uh, himself. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You shall not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath uh, or in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them and serve them, for I am the Lord thy God, and I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them who hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands and thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. I wish I could say, like some of you here today, that I had a Christian mom and dad. Wow, that I was in church 
nine months before I was born. That would be really, really, really cool, okay? I wish I could tell you today that, man, my grandma and grandpa love Jesus. And I come from a, a Christian heritage. Uh, I think that's one of the greatest testimonies. I hear a lot, oh, Richard, you've got a great testimony. Eh, I'm just a, I was just an old worn-out druggie and messed-up guy that did a lot of prison time. Uh, and I reach some of those people for Christ, but the real testimony is, man, my family's born again. You know, my great-grandma and grandpa, you know, started it all. And, and uh, you know, I come from a Christian family and trusted Christ at a young age. Well, that, that's the testimony that's going to change our world. But I, I can't say that. I come from generational sin. I come from the curse, okay? Uh, my grandfather was in the penitentiary died an alcoholic. Uh, he abandoned his family, died in the gold fields of Alaska, uh, probably around in the 1930s uh, during the gold rush days. Um, uh, we don't even know where he's buried. My father was in the penitentiary at Walla Walla, Washington as a young man, uh, died an alcoholic. I was drunk with my dad the day he died. Uh, he died at the age of 51 years old. Alcohol literally uh, killed my my dad, he was a World War II vet and uh, got shot up pretty bad and uh, came home, you know, a wounded veteran. And, uh, but alcohol was easy because, you see, my grandmother owned the same nightclub for 21 years. And with that, she owned five liquor stores, okay? So alcohol flowed like water, all right? Uh, my grandmother was the matriarch of our family, and she made a lot of money. Uh, in the early days, when I was, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight years old, uh, we weren't a two-car family. We were, but that's not the whole picture. We had two airplanes. Uh, el- alcohol, the sales of alcohol afforded uh, a very nice lifestyle. My dad had a Piper Cub. He was a pilot. And uh, uh, we had a Cessna, and in the summer... Uh, my dad would put pontoons on the Cessna, and uh, my dad was my hero. I was an only child. My dad was my hero, okay? Uh, and he taught me all the wrong things. My dad was pretty much of an outlaw. Uh, we lived in a pretty violent household. Uh, my mom and dad got into it all the time. But my dad, he loved me, but he didn't have the tools, the right tools, to teach me. He taught me how to drink and cuss and swear and fight and, and just be a renegade guy. And, uh, but alcohol soon took everything away, and my mom and dad ended up on welfare and broke my grandmother's bank account, and uh, they were embarrassed about that. They left northern Wisconsin, where we were raised, and uh, went to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and were bartending uh, there until uh, uh, my dad passed. Uh, but uh, I'm third generation, Uh, generational sin. My grandfather in prison, my dad in prison, and me in prison, didn't have much of a chance. But I I began to to get angry at about the age of nine. Uh, Things were bad. And I began shoplifting and ditching school at the age of 11. You know, now all back then, in the 50s, all little boys carried pocket knives to school. You can't do that today, okay? Uh, carry guns probably today. Uh, 
But, uh, you know, every little kid had a knife. And I got into a fight in school in the fifth grade, and I stabbed another kid and ended up in the Wisconsin State Mental Institution for diagnostic evaluation. What's wrong with an 11-year-old boy that would stab another kid? Uh, After six weeks of diagnostic evaluation, Pastor, they couldn't find anything. And I escaped from from that mental institution. And uh, they put me in the Wisconsin State Training School for Boys, Uh, for two years. Now, the average stay, if you said yes, sir, no, sir, to the man, uh, if you didn't uh, tattoo yourself, uh, you got good grades in school, you could go home in five or six months. I stayed two years. I was a nonconformist, okay? Uh, You know, I didn't respect the correctional officers, and my dad taught me, hey, be your own man. You don't have to obey authority. You don't have to obey that badge and uh, be a rebel. And I was. Uh, I finally uh, uh, snapped, uh, you know, I need to get out of here. Yes, sir, no, sir. Got good grades in school and uh, all of that. And and made parole and went to Minneapolis, Minnesota. One juvenile judge. Now, I'm a small town, unincorporated town in northern Wisconsin, Webster, Wisconsin. Uh, 580 people. The sign hadn't changed in 50 years. Now I'm in a city of, you know, Minneapolis, St. Paul, about a, mini, about, about a million people. Uh, one juvenile judge, pastor, sentenced me 24 times. I knew him well. His name was Judge Bergen. Now, believe it or not, in my younger days, I had bright red curly hair. And I don't know what happened to my red hair, but it went somewhere. And I, I don't think it's, you know, old age, do you? No, uh-uh. Uh, but I had bright red curly hair, and I could get out of the shower, shake my head, and it just curled up into ringlets. And I had a cool afro, man. I did, way back in the day. And it was just naturally curly. And uh, uh, Judge Bergen knew me. He'd, they, they'd bring us out of the county jail, juvenile delinquents, and we'd be chained to each other and handcuffed, and they'd put us in the jury box. And then they'd call, unhandcuff us and call us out one at a time, and Judge Bergen would say, Hello, Richard, how you doing? We were on a first-name basis. Only I didn't call him by his first name. He had a handlebar mustache. And uh, he'd bring it out like this and curl it up. And the older guys in the county jail would tell us, young guys now, watch out for Judge Bergen because we had him years ago. And if his mustache is curled and waxed, he's in a good mood and you might get to go home today. But if it's hanging down and drooping, you're in trouble. So we, we believe that stuff. So we went into the courtroom. What does his mustache look like? I don't know. Uh oh. It's drooping today. And I did two and a half years in the Hennepin County Jail for Judge Bergen. 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 126 months, uh, you know, strong arm robbery, uh, drugs, drunk, fighting, uh, stealing cars. It was a never-ending thing. And probably by the time I was 18 years old, I was institutionalized. I never thought about an education. Fifth grade was it for me. Uh, I got a 25-year-old prison GED, okay? Uh, But I never thought about an education. I never thought about uh, a real job. Uh, I was a street guy. I I, I mean, I'm I'm a convict. Uh, uh, This is my life. Uh, There's no way out for me. I ended up with 32 arrests. And and by the time I was in federal prison, uh, the FBI... The FBI said I was dangerous, incorrigible, not to be rehabilitated. Uh, I was violent towards police officers. 
uh, it was a never-ending thing. Tried to shoot a policeman one night. It was a never-ending thing. But I was institutionalized. When I'd be arrested by the police and handcuffed and chained through an eye bolt in the, in the, in the floor of the back seat, um, I would sigh a sigh of relief. I don't have to run anymore. I don't have to look over my shoulder for the policeman anymore because they got me. And guess what? I was back home in jail in prison. I'm, I'm home. That was how sad. I was institutionalized, folks. Three hots and a cot. And I knew I'd get out, but you know what? I knew I'd come back. When I was 18, I was in prison in Chihuahua, Mexico. I was in the stolen car business, the chop shop business. That bought our drugs, our guns, our party life. But as fast as we got it, it went. And, and it was just evil, evil money, evil lifestyle. And I uh, hung around with some real dangerous people. And uh, uh, did four months in a Mexican prison. And uh, my partner and I, the FBI, came after us. And uh, I caught four years federal prison, El Reno, Oklahoma. And when you go to prison, they strip you of all humanity. Okay, my name became 33476-115. I know that number like you service guys know your service number. And uh, did my time and did drugs in prison. I was always into junk in prison and, and got out and then picked up a 10-year sentence. So what? I don't care. How sad. And went back to El Reno Federal Prison, El Reno, Oklahoma, 33476-115. When that judge sentenced me, that federal judge sentenced me to 10 years, I, I was a smart aleck, and I said, so what? I can do 10 years standing on my head. That's a dumb thing to tell a judge. The court stenographer is putting it in your, you know, caseload and your jacket, and, uh, you know, here's cost back with an attitude. And, uh, but what he didn't know, and I didn't know, when he sentenced me to that 10 years, he was really sentencing me to life and life eternal with Jesus. He didn't know it. I didn't know it. But here's the sad part about my life. You say, oh, Richard, man, that's, you know, that's a horrible situation. No, there's something worse. No one ever, ever, ever. Talk to me about Jesus. Nobody. At the age of 24, I could not have told you who Jesus Christ was. He came around with Santa Claus once a year. I knew that. A little baby in a manger. And then somehow he grew up real fast and hung out with Easter Bunny. At Easter. He was my favorite cuss word. God and Jesus were my favorite cuss words over and over and over again many, 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 many times a day. I was just spiritually ignorant, but nobody ever handed me a gospel track. And I go nowhere without gospel tracks. I've got them in my back pocket. I've got them in my motorcycle bag. I'm, I'm usually always handing a waitress or waiter or, uh, you know, someone maybe at a gas station a gospel track. Hey, when you get home tonight... Here's some good news for you. Read this when you get home. It's got God's Word in it. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And I use gospel tracts all the time, but I never heard. Now listen to this. 
Everybody in my family, now only three of us made it out. Everybody else died alcoholics and, and cigarettes killed just about all my family. Only three of us made it out alive, me, my mom, and my grandma. And after I got out of prison the third time, uh, I led my grandmother to Christ. She came to Christ at the age of 80. And uh, my grandma was the one I loved because I was in an abusive situation. And when my grandma found out that I was um, being cussed at and hit on, uh, my grandma would come and get me. And I'd get to go to grandma's house just 300 yards through the woods, you know. And, and uh, grandma took care of me. And she was a neat, neat lady and, and loved me, loved her grandson. Uh, my, grand, my grandma was easy to, to reach, uh, but listen to this. Now, my grandma had five different husbands, one for each liquor store. We had five liquor stores. And she always married pretty intelligent men, and most of them were carpenters, because she would buy homes and land, and then her husbands would rehab them. <laughs> and so she married carpenters and you know, cabinet makers. She was pretty smart. You know, but here's the kicker. We were all baptized church members, okay? I was baptized at birth because my mother had some stillborn children, and I was born, my mother was a Rosie the Riveter. She was the, she could have been the poster guy. She was a beautiful red-headed lady, and uh, uh, she looked the part of Rosie the Riveter, and she was doing her World War II effort in, in Vancouver, Washington, and I was born out there, but she'd had some stillborn children, and they said, this baby's going to be born, but probably die, so the Catholic priest, Irish Catholic priest was there, and, and I got wet, and I became a baptized Irish Catholic. My mom was Irish Catholic, uh, my dad was German Lutheran, my grandmother was German Lutheran, uh, uh, her fourth husband was German Lutheran, her fifth husband was Greek Orthodox, and the only time we ever heard any prayers was usually at Thanksgiving or Christmas, my grandma, and by the way, uh, when my grandma divorced her fourth husband, she felt sorry for him, so her fifth husband built an extra room on the house so the fourth one could come and live with the fifth one. But she would always ask one of them to say the blessing. And, and the, my fourth grandpa, Grandpa Fred, uh, he would pray in German because he, he, he spoke broken English. And, and uh, then uh, Papa Jim, he was from Greece, and he would pray, when he was asked to pray, he would pray in, in uh, Greek. And it was all Greek to me. You see, we had religion without a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's not a religious bone in my body today. It scares me, Pastor, when I'm sharing Christ with somebody. Oh, I'm very religious. Uh-oh, that's not good. It was religious people that crucified Christ. Religion today, as we know it, is the enemy of Jesus Christ. It's the enemy of the church. God doesn't require religion. He requires a relationship with His, with his Son, Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus was not spoken Everybody, we had a Bible, and all the births and the deaths and the marriages and the baptisms were in that family Bible like everybody else's, but there were no Christians, and I've gone back 200 years in our family tree, and, and it looks like I'm the first born-again Christian, okay? I ended up going back to prison for the third time, doing my thing. I'm home. I'm home, folks. And uh, we got a new warden. We had a warden that hated us. They shipped him out. We rioted on him twice. It was bad. 
They, they brought in a new warden. His name was Noah Aldridge. And wherever there was a problem in a federal institution, they would put Noah Aldridge in there for two or three years, uh, and the institutions would calm down. I wonder why, Pastor. Huh? You see, whenever he came to a new prison, he was packing a sword, the Word of God. And he knew, our new warden knew, there was no rehabilitation without redemption. There was no reform without rebirth. He knew men had to, had to be changed from the inside out. And he made sure as our new warden, we had church every night of the week. He had volunteers coming in from Enid, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, uh, every night of the week. I mean, we had church. There was church in the prison chapel every night of the week, multiple times on Saturday and Sunday. And I remember one day he stopped me in the yard because he, he witnessed the inmates. He made it a point to speak to about all 1,200 inmates. And I remember the day I met him on the yard, and he said, Young man, what's your, uh, what's your name? I said, Richard. He said, Where are you from? I said, Well, northern Wisconsin, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And Do you have a family? I said, No, there's just my grandma and, and my mom left. And do they write to you? And I said, My grandma writes to me every week. And Do you write, do you write her back? Yes. How about your mom? No, my mom and I aren't close. And, I don't get any letters from my mom. And he said, well, you need to, you need to try and build a relationship back there and, and write, maybe write your mom. He said, uh, uh, you know, we have uh, church on Sunday morning. They had two services in our chapel. And he said, I bring my wife and three kids to early church. And then after that, I go into town to the Presbyterian church. But I'd like for you to, to sit with my wife and I and three kids in the prison chapel an uh, early service and be my guest. And I said, well, I don't go to church. I, I've never been to church. And don't know anything about it. Thank you, but no thank you. And then uh, a couple months went by, and I'm eating breakfast in the prison chow hall uh, 47 years ago. And about 40 free world people, just like you and I today, came through the doors, and most of them had the sword in their hands. And, and it was the warden's one-day revival meeting. He invited a bunch of Christian businessmen who came in monthly but everybody came in for this one-day revival. Now, this was a unique revival meeting. It was on a Sunday, March 16th, 1969. And it started at 8 in the morning, went till 8 at night. Now, what if you announced to your, your uh, uh, folks here, hey, we're going to have a one-day revival, 12 hours. We'll cater in lunch. They might come for, they'd probably bail after lunch, most of them. And... Uh, uh, all day, uh, you know, singing and preaching and Bible studies and, and what have you. And, and uh, I'm eating breakfast, and, and there were two chairs open at my table, and two guys uh, from the street, can we sit down with you guys? Yeah, come on, sit down. And uh, uh, they were Christian men, and they made some conversation, learned our names, and, and uh, they said, we love you guys. We care about you. And we've got a God who loves you. His name is Jesus. And it wasn't the Jesus thing that got to me right away. It was man-to-man, face-to-face. I love you, buddy. I care about you. And I have a God who loves you. And his name is Jesus. And then we met some of these other people as they came around the dining uh, hall that morning. And we love you guys. Man, we love you. We care about you. And Man, I had no love for anybody. I loved my grandma. That was it. I didn't love me. I would look on my stainless steel mirror in cell block 6 and I was a broken guy. I was a loser. I didn't love me. I didn't like me. You know, I knew there was no hope for me. I'm going to die this way. 
And but that word love got to me. Hey, would you would you be our guest at church today? And uh, yeah, I don't go to church, but I I changed my mind, and I it's probably the day the Holy Spirit dealt with me for the first time. End up going to church. I was going to go for an hour. I stayed all day. I stayed till eight that night. But about three that afternoon, they said, "Are any of you hurting today? Do you have family problems?" Uh, uh, health situations, do you need to know Christ as your Savior? And I, 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 I'd been crying for about an hour. God began to deal with this old hard, cold heart. And I realized I'd sinned against a holy and righteous God. Man. And I, I remember saying to God, God, I'm sorry. But God, I didn't know who you were. I'm sorry I trashed you and used your name in profanity for you know thousands of times. I, I didn't know who you were. And I was beginning to see the picture of Jesus and what God did for us in Christ. And, and uh, I couldn't stop. the. And I was a non-crier. I didn't cry. And I couldn't stop the alligator tears, man. And uh, they said, if you need to know Jesus, would you come? There was about 160 inmates involved in the all-day program. And I'm the first one. I'm way back here. I bailed out. And wouldn't you know it? The same two men that had breakfast with me were standing right there. And they said, Richard... What can we do for you? I said, I don't know. I guess I, you know, from what I've heard in the Bible studies today and what I've heard the singers sing about and the preachers preach about, man, I don't know. I I guess I want to become a Christian. I don't want to go to hell, man. Life's been hell for me. And I I guess I want to know Jesus. And a man opened up his Bible to John 3.16. I never heard it. 24, almost 25 years old. All of my grandchildren and great-grandchildren, man, they know John 3.16 because, see, things are different because I got out of the curse that day, got into the blessing side of life, and that changed everything, okay? But uh, he read John 3.16 like this, For God so loved Richard. He took the word world out, personalized it. And I thought that was pretty cool. For God so loved Richard that he gave his only begotten son that if Richard would believe him, Richard would not perish, but Richard would have everlasting life. Then they took me down that famous Roman road. I'd never walked down that road before, okay? That famous Roman road, and I'm still crying. Richard, what would you like to do? Give my life to Christ. They put their hands on me and prayed for me that day, and I said, God, I'm a broken guy, man. Nobody can fix me. The FBI can't fix me. The the mental institution when I was a little boy couldn't fix me. I can't fix myself, God. And I understand you died You were buried, you rose from the grave to live in people's lives to fix broken people. Broken by sin. And I heard that that day and I said, God, fix me. If this is true and this Bible business is true, fix me. Guess what? It was a sincere prayer. It didn't come from here. It came from my innermost being. And that day, God began to work on me. Wow. Wow. I did two more years, but I was free. Jesus came to set the captives free, and whomsoever the sun sets free is free what? Indeed. And man, I was free, and I began to work with the chaplains. I got my first Bible. By the way, 41 of us gave our lives to Christ that day. And there were a lot of other uh, uh, decisions, and and, uh, uh, we didn't have a, a baptistry back then, but the chaplain decided we needed one with that many men coming to know Christ, and we ended up getting a, uh, a baptistry. And, and, uh, but, it, man, it was so cool. Uh, men were being baptized all the time. Revival broke out. You take 40 brand-new baby Christians and turn them loose. Look out. Look out, man, fanatics. 
And, uh, uh, but see, I hear this a lot from people in prison and jail. Uh, uh, Richard, as soon as I get out, man, I'm going to get in a good church. I'm going to be working with the gangbangers out there on the street and the meth cookers because that's where I came from. And, and as soon as I get out, you know, I'm going to do this. I said, no, you, you, it'll never happen. You, you, it won't work. You won't do it. What do you mean? I said, you don't wait till you get out. You bloom where you're planted. Prison becomes or jail becomes your mission field. Bloom where you're planted. And I did. Prison was my mission field for the next two years, man. I began to learn my Bible and read my Bible and memorize verses and begin to lead other men to Christ and was helping the chaplains. Finally uh, got out of uh, prison and, and, uh, and some of you know about the Oklahoma City bombing and that's the worst day of our lives and, and we lost our two little grandbabies in the daycare center that day in the Murrah Federal Building. And um, my daughter asked me, she said, Daddy, uh, your, your grandsons loved you and, and Daddy, you, you've got to do the memorial service, and I began to cry, and I went in my daughter's bedroom and knelt on the bed, and I, I said, God, I can't. How can I do that? I can't. Uh, I'll lose it. God, I'll cry. And God, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, and I can't. And, and uh, God said, that's okay, I can. When you're weak, I'm strong. You honor your daughter's request. And uh, my daughter put two little baby boys in one, in one oversized children's casket because they played together they slept together they they did everything together and they went home together okay that day and I I lost it during the song service I I lost it but then God dried my eyes and gave me about 20 minutes to do a fitting memorial and there were some people came to Christ that day Uh, God's given my daughter two more children and a boy and a girl and one just started college this week in Nebraska Uh, but you know I'm still serving God Okay, in spite of all the garbage and junk, uh, I'm still here today serving Jesus. Okay, uh, I love the Lord, you know. Uh, I, I wear a lot of hats. I go to the jails, I go to the prisons, the motorcycle rallies. We work mostly with the banditos. I've been working with the banditos for about 18 years. Uh, and uh, uh, we put on one rally uh, in, in Red River, New Mexico. How many of you have been to Red River, New Mexico, up in the mountains? You all need, okay, there we go. You know about Red River. You, the rest of you need to get out more. Man, there's a, there's a neat world out there. And, uh, uh, but we've been going up there for 18 years. Uh, CMA goes up there. we got two big tents we put up. And we give the band, it's banditos and Vietnam vets mostly riding motorcycles. And, and about 30,000 bikes come through that little bitty mountain town in four days, and we give away, uh, I give away about, oh, three, last year, uh, last Memorial Week, gave away uh, 3,000 biker Bibles, uh, 5,000 chocolate chip cookies, home, homemade by the ladies at the church, uh, lots of uh, uh, gospel tracts, and, and uh, we get to do personal work with these guys, but, you know, I, I just love serving God, okay, and I hit the ground running, and I'm here today. Now, I don't know where you're at. Have you not trusted Christ as your Savior yet? You know, I used to punch policemen, kick them, spit on them. Uh, And I think I'm the reason they put plexiglass now between the front seat and the back seat because when I was in the back of a squad car, there was a screen, and I could spit through that screen. Now, that was back in the 60s. There were no cameras. They broke my jaw. They broke my elbow. They kicked in my ribs. 
I had a long ponytail up until about maybe, uh, I don't know, 20 years ago. And uh, I went into the barber shop and I said, listen, get, let's give this ponytail to Locks of Love so some little girl can, you know, that's got cancer can have uh, a hairpiece. And he, I said, he said, what do you want? I said, I want a military flat top. I want to land a Cessna right up here on top. And he got down on top of my head and he said, Richard, what happened to the top of your head? You got scars all over the top of your head. I said, that's from the war. He said, Vietnam? I said, no, the war with the Minneapolis Police Department. But when I knew I was getting ready to go to the hospital, I said, oh, man, okay, okay, okay. I surrender. I, I surrender. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But you know what God maybe wants to hear from somebody today? I surrender. We heard that already this morning. Give it up. I surrender. How about you? Are you a born-again Christian? I led my grandmother to Christ when she was 80. Uh, my, my mother finally came to Christ after 14 years of witnessing and prayer. Uh, at the age of 69, my mama became a Christian. And her last six years, she was a real mom, man. Uh, we, we, it was awesome. It was awesome the, the last few years of her life. That my, she really loved me, and, and, and I'd never felt that ever before. And we weren't just mom and son. We were brother and sister, okay? And uh, I, I did my grandmother's home going. I did my mother's home going. I'll see him again, okay? Uh, give it up today if you're not a Christian. Uh, you know, I've been backslidden. Man, I was backslidden for eight long, miserable months one time. When Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols killed our grandchildren, uh, I reverted back to the old guy. I said, I'm going to kill you guys, man. I, and I had a plan. I had a plan. Uh, uh, I'm going to get a cop uniform, and, and uh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to filter in uh, with the uh, highway patrol in Oklahoma City and those that were guarding Timothy McBay and Terry Nichols, taking them from the courthouse uh, back to jail. I'll just slip in there as a cop. When I get my opportunity, boom, boom, blow them away. And you know what God did? God didn't even let me get out there. And I had, I had a plan. And God put migraine headaches on me for eight months. I was crying, losing weight, vomiting. The, the headaches were bad. And then after about eight months, guess what? God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And he said, well, you know what to do. And I came back. I, I was away from home for eight months. I came back home. God... I repent. The minute I prayed, the, the migraines went away. And I got back on my feet. And then I began to pray. God said, I want you to pray for Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols. I said, God, you're taking this thing a little bit too far. But uh, see, God forgave me my sins. So I began to pray for the man and love on the man who killed our grandchildren. One accepted Jesus. One was executed without Christ. You away from home? Come on home. Let's stand to our feet. What do you need from God? He's a need-meeting God. And you know what, folks? We're needy people. We're needy people. But He knows our needs even before you and I know we have a need that needs to be met. So if you have a need, the altar's open. Pastor's available. Others are available. You need Christ? Come today. Come today. Trust Christ as your Savior. I wish I would have made that decision when I was seven, eight, nine years old, but it wasn't there at the time for me. Okay, but it is for you today. So you come. Come on. Pretty good crowd this morning. Is there one? Come on. Two? Come on. 
What do you need from God? You have not because you ask not. Is there one today? Marriage? Be the kind of mama you should be, the kind of daddy you should be, the kind of grandparent you should be, leading your family in, in Christ, huh? Have you got family in trouble and they're not in yet? Let's pray for them. I prayed for my grandmother and my mother. They weren't in. I was in, but my, my grandma wasn't. And guess what? God answers prayer according to His timetable. He's never late. He's never early. Maybe you're a visitor looking for a church home this morning and, and, and this body of believers uh, God has led you to. You know, I want to be a part of this. Share that with the pastor today. You come. Come on. Got one. How about two? How about two? The Bible says what thou doest do quickly, huh? Today is the day. All right? Got one. How about two? We just sent our, one of my grandkids off to college in Nebraska, and, and he's got a full uh, football scholarship, but he's a believer. And I said, you get hooked up uh, with the Christian people on the campus right away, okay? And he, he promised me, Grandpa, I will. I will. Keep him safe and sound in Christ. What do you need? You drifted away? Come on home. Come on home. Got one? Okay. Come on. Got two? How about three? Four? What do you need from God? What do you need? You don't have to make a move unless that Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart. Amen. Come on. Three, four, maybe you're number five, maybe you're number six. Seven is always a good number. God's dealing with some people this morning. Have you been saved but never scripturally baptized? Get your baptism on the on the right side of your salvation. I was baptized at birth, and when I gave my life to Christ, I thought, well, I've been baptized, but then I've soon learned from the scripture and Bible study that I need to get my baptism on the right side of my salvation, and I did. Just trying to be obedient to God. Maybe God's calling some of you to do His work, do His ministry. Here am I, God, send me. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. God's got something for every one of us to do. There's always a little niche of ministry out there. God's speaking to people today.